Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God. Do you love God? Do you give thanks to God? I want to cover some scriptures on thanks. But first, let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12. I'll start in verse 28. Verse 28. And read, read some things here. I'm mostly going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he, that's Jesus, had answered them well. And he asked them, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the Ten Commandments are based on love. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Some believe that the Ten Commandments are a burden. And they're afraid to even try to keep them. Because they say if they try to keep them, they won't. But 1 John 4, starting verse 18, says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So we're not, we're not perfect yet, so we're all subject to fears. But this is the, the, the objective. Because fear involved torment. That he who fears has not been made perfect. We love Him because He first loved us. And He's working to perfect us in this life. Now let's go to Philippians 4. And yes, be lots and lots and lots and lots of scriptures today, which is not too difficult, too different, excuse me, from how I usually am. Philippians 4, we'll start in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. You're allowed to pray. You should pray. And you should pray thankfully. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. But there's a warning in Romans, Romans chapter 1. And yes, I go to Romans chapter 1 a lot, primarily because of uh, issues in this day and age of people who uh, despise the Word of God. Romans 1, starting verse 21, we read, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Okay? This is a warning. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to to be wise, they became fools. So one of the things I like to, I don't know, like is the necessary word, about evolution. We'll talk about that for a second. It's not really my topic, but I want to talk about it. You pay attention to the mainstream, and you make it sound like, you know, only fools don't believe in evolution. All educated people believe in evolution. And... I've said this before, it reminds me of the story of the emperor with no clothes. Whatever he pretends to see something that's not there. 
There's, there's no proof about evolution. It's not scientific. It's just a, a model, a hypothesis, one that's not been proven. And over and over again, they don't prove it. But they say, if we don't believe it, we're not scientific because they're so wise. And it's like they haven't proved it. Anyone who studied cellular biology in any depth knows it's not possible that a bunch of amino acids lined up, somehow became alive, somehow uh, had a membrane, somehow could move, somehow figured out what food was, somehow figured out how to digest food, somehow figured out after all that it needed to reproduce. And if you look at the complexity of DNA, it's like, uh, no. But they act like, uh, we're crazy, we're not scientists. Professing to be wise. They act like they're wise. It's just vanity. It's not for them. Prove it. Now the Bible says we're supposed to rejoice at the feast. And hopefully you've all been doing that. As I mentioned to uh, uh, one of the people out in the audience, or maybe a couple of them, I think uh, Pigeon Forge has been a very nice town to be in. Um, in this day and age, I've it's going to be pretty hard to find a place that's actually better. Uh, while it's somewhat of a city, we're also surrounded by the woods. and We were out in the woods a few times, uh, at least in different aspects of it. And we're supposed to be rejoicing at the feast. But yes, I, I know we'll have, we have problems. But are you grateful for what you have? Or are you mainly a complainer? You know, I frequently hear from people who are poor in Africa or hungry. And their situations remind me how those of us in Western cultures uh, should be thankful for at least the physical blessings that we have. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, none of you are sleeping on the mud without a bed uh, outside or under a tree. And we've got you know things like electricity we take for granted. Uh, there's water. If you don't like the water comes out of the tap, you can go to the store and buy it, bottles. Do you give thanks to God? And does the Bible really say to do that? And should you be giving thanks to God? And for what? Unthankfulness was actually prophesied. And I'll get to that in a few moments. But the New King James Version of the Bible, it should be this one here that I've got here, the word, uh, has the word thank 25 times, the word thanks 75 times, thankful 3 times, and thanksgiving 32 times. It also has the word praise 237 times, and the word praises 11 times. Most all of these have to do with giving thanks to God. So, no, I will not actually try to read all, this is a, about almost 400 scriptures I just listed <laughs> with, those, with those words. But, but obviously this must be important or it wouldn't be in the Word of God. Now, is it in there because God needs our praise? No. God is not some egotistical being just thinking, oh, these people just need to praise me, say praise me because I'm so great. They just need to say praise me and praise me and praise me. No, that's not how God thinks. We need to praise God, to show thanks, and to grow and help us. It doesn't help God, but helps us. Now we start off each day with a bonus. 
Why? Because no one knows you're living. You know, just the fact you got up, you should be grateful. Giving God thanks is based on the truth that God, what God has given us, we should appreciate what was given. Thankfulness is actually very good for us. Yet, we'll go to 2 Timothy 3. And yes, I go to this frequently. I won't read all of it, but just a few parts. Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, starting verse 1, But know this, that in the last days, these days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, proud, etc., unthankful. That's one of the things prophesied for the end times. People will be unthankful. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. If you want to read, uh, find about slanderers, you can go and find all kinds of weird things about us and aren't true on the internet. And a couple of years ago, uh, they decided not just to pick on me, they picked out other leaders in our church. Anyway, God wants His people to have an attitude of gratitude, not ingratitude. Unthankful people are often unhappy and basically unloving. Now I want to go to the Old Testament, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28. Over here we can read a prophecy about what's prophesied towards those who will not serve God with joy and thankfulness, if you will. Deuteronomy 28, starting verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, we'll just stop right there. We're supposed to rejoice during the Feast of Tabernacles. You know that. We're also supposed to serve God with joy throughout the rest of the year as well. Anyway, there's a prophecy here because uh, people, children of Israel, do this. Therefore, you will serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as an eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, no, sure, no, nor show favor to the young. This is a prophecy which is going to actually affect uh, this land that we're speaking in. Uh, European power will be raised up and will uh, come here in the future. Now, oddly, people seem to think that complaining makes them happy. Many are selfish and they think that uh, uh, complaining is better than giving thanks. And some seem to complain because they're Christian. I remember when I was probably in my late teens uh, attending a Church of God service and a man who I thought was kind of old He's probably about 30. <laughs> Gave a sermonette and more or less complained that you can't, more or less like, well, you can't really do well if you're going to be in a church of God. Because, you know, you got to tithe and stuff and whatever. I thought to myself, he didn't get it. 
And he didn't get it, by the way. Uh, I don't know where he is at now, but uh, I think he and his wife divorced. Uh, I think he went along with the apostasy or dropped out of religion completely. But he never got it. Uh, nor did the, the people who took over uh, the old uh, Worldwide Church of God. They never understood what the, message was, the messages were all about. Anyway, I want to go to Galatians 5. God expects His people to be joyous. If you've been baptized and received God's Holy Spirit, notice Galatians 5, starting verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And in uh, modern Western society, uh, they certainly don't believe that uh, self-control is something that you need to have, and some of these other terms as well. People who are joyous and long-suffering tend to be thankful. But no, it's not pleasant to go through various uh, sufferings. Now I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Starting verse 9, the Apostle Paul ties joy in with praise and thanks. He says, For what thanks can we render to God for you with for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God tonight and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what's lacking in your faith. And again, we know for the Feast of Tabernacles we're supposed to rejoice. And Paul was saying rejoicing. They got together. We should be thankful to God. I want to go to the... Uh, you don't have to go here. But I'm going to go read uh, from Jeremiah uh, 33, verse 11. Jeremiah writes, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voice of those who will say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. For His mercy endures forever. Be thankful His mercy endures forever, because we all stumble. And of those who bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, which we try to do when we sing. Psalm 42, verse 4, you don't have to go there, says, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. This is the pilgrim feast that we're talking about. Feast of Tabernacles. Now I'm going to go to uh, Isaiah 51. Uh, just read one verse. It says, For the Lord will comfort Zion, will comfort her in all her waste places, and will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. So thanksgiving is prophesied to happen. Now let's all go over to Ephesians 5. I know I have lots of scriptures, so if it's just one verse, I'm just mostly just reading it. In Ephesians, I'm going to read a few of them. Ephesians 5, starting verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, 
in which it's dissipation. And we know that the Bible says it's appropriate to have wine if you don't have a problem with alcohol uh, you know, during the Feast of Tabernacles, but not too much. Or as they have in this area, moonshine. <laughs> but be filled with the Spirit, and not that moonshine Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now I'm going to read Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, if you want, I will read a couple of verses from 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It's actually three verses, but they're pretty short. First Thessalonians 5.16. Complain always. Nope. That's, that's a typo. <laughs> Rejoice always. Does it say rejoice always? Yeah. Okay, good. So I guess I got it right this time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Look, we understand God's plan. We understand what's going to happen. And we're actually seeing things happen right now. This morning, I uh, squeezed in a post carburetor. You say, what do you mean squeeze in? If you go to the site, there's always posts going. Yeah, but some of these I pre-wrote. When I'm gone, I pre-write a bunch of them. So they'll just post and they're scheduled. Uh, this morning, this one isn't necessarily highly appropriate uh, during the sermon, but it'll, it'll do. This morning I saw some headline. Uh, this guy, I won't mention his name because I'm not trying to plug what he does, uh, says that uh, you can't trust the U.S. Federal Reserve they say they're going to quit creating money out of nothing. Don't believe them. They're going to do it anyway. And he recommends you buy a lot of gold. And so what's my point with all that? Things are really happening. We know from the book of Habakkuk that there's a highly indebted nation that's going to lose it. Their creditors will rise up. The United States keeps printing treasury bills and notes. And they say that they're not inventing money. I don't know if you know how, that, how it really works. Here's what really happens. This, and I'm not joking. This is what they really do. We need $100 billion. Okay? So we create an electronic piece of paper that says, this is a treasury bill for $100 billion. And they say, that's an asset. It's just a stupid piece of paper, which means not, it's nothing. The government owes who? Itself. For doing what? Just making up money. That's what they're doing. And they keep doing it. Because they can get away with it. Ancient Rome got away with it for a long time too. The United States can get away with this because we're the world's primary reserve currency. Why? Still, because to be blunt, the Chinese don't trust the Chinese nor the rest of the world. So they don't really, they're not really happy with the renminbi yuan. The Europeans keep arguing with themselves, but their plan is to replace the U.S. dollar. Russia would like the U.S. dollar pushed aside, but they can't do it by themselves. 
But the Bible says a couple of things. One, I mentioned about the creditor nation falling apart. And also, it says that the king of the north in uh, Daniel 11 will have gold and he's going to get gold from Egypt. And I believe that this means that when the U.S. dollar collapses, things like gold will be considered very important. Because people say, well, if the dollar could collapse, certainly the euro or maybe some basket of currencies, we don't know for sure if it will be the euro, will be backed by something. And it will be backed probably to some degree by gold. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is almost every day we see some things in the news that are lining up with properly understood biblical prophecies. And we get to know this. The world doesn't know. Now, this guy who wrote this article, he thinks wrongly, hey, if you get a, just get enough gold, you'll be able to ride through all this. Uh, no. <laughs> and actually, before Jesus returns, gold is going to be worth nothing. Now, I speculated uh, why it will be worth nothing, but I'll tell you right now. One thing I read a long, long time ago when I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, is for whatever reason, gold, and I even think silver, accumulates radiation. Okay? So, if there's some kind of weird bomb from uh, uh, the east that knocks off the king of the north or whatever, people will not want to hold on to gold if everybody's dying from radiation sickness or some kind of poisoning like that. Okay? Because you can't eat gold, by the way. It, it's true it'll outlast the U.S. dollar, my, I, I, that's biblical. You can look throughout the Bible because it says during the time of Babylon they're going to trade with gold and things like that. But it's not going to last. But the world doesn't know that. Some put their hope in gold. Some in cryptocurrencies. Read about that today. Didn't post about it. But apparently uh, China has announced. I didn't read the article, by the way. I only read the headline and a sentence of it. China apparently announced that it's illegal to use cryptocurrencies. Which is odd because I thought they were coming with their own. So... <laughs> And apparently that made the value of cryptocurrencies, which have no real value in the first place, drop. The world is going to be shaken by various things. And we need to be careful that we're not shaken. And if we're thankful to God and live in a, an attitude of thanksgiving, we know things will work out. It's okay. We don't have to be shaken like the world will be. Some put their confidence in gold. Some people in the United States put their confidence in uh, Joe Biden. Some put their confidence in Donald Trump. Some put their confidence uh, in their employer. Okay? And if you have a job, I expect you to work. Okay? Can't rely on any of those things. Uh, those of us in the United States used to think that you could somewhat rely on the Supreme Court for uh, the rights that were in the Constitution. And, um, how can I put this? Um, I'm at least as educated as the people on the Supreme Court, but I don't think you need that much education to be able to read English uh, and just kind of go along with the intent of the Constitution was. Uh, sadly, there was something from the uh, Department of Justice or Homeland Security, it was Homeland Security, warning that people who actually think that the original Constitution is supposed to be enforced or potential domestic terrorists. Uh, this society is getting stranger and stranger. 
But as I said, and I'll read it again, rejoice always. Now I'm going to go to uh, 1 Timothy uh, uh, chapter 12. I mean, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. We can be grateful because we know what's going to happen. And we know actually a lot of the details. We don't know all the details. But we do know a lot of what is going to happen. Paul writes Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Okay? God may or not put you in the ministry, but if you're faithful, he'll be faithful to you. Although I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. Now one of the reasons I like to quote this particular passage is people say, now, you don't understand how bad I was and how I've fallen a few times and there's no way I can be forgiven for whatever. Did you go out and actually try to kill Christians? Did you go out and get permission so you could do this? Getting on your high horse? Because Paul was, Paul was, Saul was on a horse. He was on his high horse. He was going to go and round them up and get them killed. He thought that was great. Great for his career. Great for everything else. He probably didn't do that. You may have done some other things you're not proud of. Or should we're not supposed to be proud anyway. But, okay, Saul did some pretty rough things. Let's go to the Old Testament now. I want to go to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Starting in verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord... And hopefully you do. Call upon His name. Make His deeds known among the peoples. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do, or we are doing, in the Continuing Church of God. We are reaching people who others didn't really want to meet, but want to reach. Oh, I know everybody knows you're supposed to go to all the nations, etc., but a lot of people have decided that, well, you know, Africans, well, you know, they're Africans. Yeah, and they're at least as important as you. Okay, we're, we're all supposed to look on others as better than ourselves. All right? And one thing that a lot of groups a lot have not been willing to do is to put uh, literature in native African languages. They're afraid if they do so, the Africans will want to read it. And maybe they want to become part of the church. And maybe they will need some funds. And maybe we are supposed to help the poor. And not just act like, oh, that's a nice idea. Make his deeds known among the peoples. We have more and more literature and more and more languages in order to do that. Of course, we're also on, on the internet. Um... We've been doing more to get materials out in the Spanish language online in terms of videos. And we also are hoping to uh, get some other languages online uh, eventually uh, in terms of uh, videos. But in terms of actual languages, as many who've watched our sermons before realize, we have materials in over 100 languages online. But those are written materials, but we're also working on getting more audio materials uh, in the future. Sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of his wonder, wondrous works. 
to glory in his uh, excuse me, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, your children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Now I want to go down to uh, verse 34 of First Chronicles 16. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Now, it doesn't always seem like He's good, because sometimes we're suffering in certain ways, and it's like we'd like to get resolved. But understand, God lives in eternity. God inhabits eternity, the Bible says. He knows a whole lot more about us and everything else that we need than we do. We like to think we do. We know what we need, we should have. But God knows better. And notice, one of the reasons to give thanks is for His mercy endures forever. And I mentioned that uh, before. It's quoted many times in the Bible, His mercy endures forever. I looked that up once. Uh, I forgot how many times it's listed, but it's uh, at least a couple of dozen times. Verse 35, And say, Save us, O God of our salvation. Only God can provide you salvation and eternal life. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. You don't have to go there, but Matthew 19, verse 17, someone came up to Jesus and called him good. Just like he's just a, a normal guy. Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And he said, also if you want to into light, keep the commandments. God is good because God is love and His plan is based on love and giving. Now I want to go to Psalm 105. Starting verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make His deeds known among the peoples sing to him, sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory is holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. And whether or not you are native Israelite or not, if you become, if you're a Christian, uh, you're a child of Abraham, part of the family of Israel. Now, let's go down to verse 42 of Psalm 105. One of the reasons why we should give thanks. It says, For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. He brought out his people with joy, his chosen ones with gladness. He gave them the lands of the Gentiles, and they inherited the labor of the nations, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Now I'm going to read one verse, Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. If you're righteous or want to be considered righteous, notice one thing you're supposed to be doing here. The upright shall dwell in your presence. God remembers his promises, not just to Abraham, but those he made to us in this book. 
as far as humans go, and I'm going to go to Job 14, read a couple of verses. We are a work of God's hands. Job mentions that. Job 14, verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? I'm sure people back then wondered it. People wonder that to this day. Job says, All the days of my hard service I will wait. Okay? A lot of us go through hard service as well. He said, All the days of my hard service. It means, as long as I'm on this planet, alive, in the flesh, I'm going to wait, but I'll work too. Till my change comes. You will call and I will answer you. You will desire the work of your hands. I've mentioned this many times. I mentioned this uh, not too long ago. I'll mention it again. What would be the work of your hands? The work of your hands will be to give love in a unique way to make eternity better for yourself and everyone else. Whatever you've been through can be different than other people have been through. I'm pretty sure how the world was in the days of Job were kind of different. I doubt that he had lights. They didn't have that kind of electricity. As far as I can tell, he lived where it was really hot. They didn't have air conditioning. Refrigerators. If they had ice, it was only when it was cold, not when it was hot. We've all been through different experiences in different times. And God has a plan for all of us. And... Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 5. Part of the reason God made humans was to rule the universe. And one of the reasons that you go through what you go through in this life is to prepare you to do that. Hebrews 2 verse 5 says, For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the work of your hands, works of your hands. You put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection to him, he left nothing that's not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things under him. So everything's not under us yet. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it's fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. And by the way, that also includes women. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praises to you. We're supposed to praise God, but notice that God will praise us if we endure. We should be, we're going to be grateful. Now I want to go back to the book of Psalms. Let's go to the uh, 97th Psalm. 
be nice if I tell you which one since there's 150 of them. Want to do something good? Psalm 97 verse... Uh, oh, verse 10. We're going to go backwards. I got, this, I got myself off a little bit. Since I told you to go to Psalm 97, we'll start there. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteousness, for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at remembrance of His holy name. I want to go to Psalm 92. And i sorry because that's where I meant to go a moment ago. When I asked you, you want to do something good. Psalm 92, verse 1. Want to know how to do something good? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. That's also good, you know, keep the Ten Commandments, keep God's holy days, etc. But it's good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High. So we have, you know, one reason we have a song service. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute or on the harp, with harmonious sound. Yes, I know we have a few mu musicians in the audience. So, you see that's also commended here. Now let's go down to Psalm uh, 106. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of God? Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. You're not supposed to be a part-time Christian. Uh, the Roman Catholics have a term for some of their people they call uh, cafeteria Catholics. That they pick and choose one or two doctrines that they believe in, so I don't care about the rest. Uh, the Bible says, Blessed are those who does righteousness at all times. Verse 4, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you've shown towards your people. O visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We've committed iniquity We've done wickedly. So we know that we still sin. Now let's go down to verse uh, 47 of Psalm 106. Talking about the wickedly part. Then he says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Now I want to go to Psalm 107. Yes, I keep talking about thanks from the Bible. Yes. Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. We keep hearing that. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're a Christian, you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, whom He has redeemed by the hand of the enemy, from the hand of the enemy, in this case, Satan and our own lusts, and gathered out of the lands from east and from the west, from the north and from the south. 
They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. Notice distresses more than one time. And it led them forth by the right way. And God leads us forth by the right way now. I want to go down to uh, verse uh, 31 of Psalm 107. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. All right, let's uh, let's go to Psalm uh, one thirty-six. Start in verse two. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for His mercy endures forever. God is above all. He's above you, your government, the religions of the world. To Him, verse 4, who alone does great works, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who made the heavens, great lights, etc., and His mercy endures forever. Verse 23. Who remembered us in our lowly state. God didn't call you because you were some great one, as far as the world was concerned. And it's possible you could have been some kind of a great one as far as the world was concerned. I mean, uh, to a degree, I think Saul was considered a sort of a great one, or a rising star anyway, but he got humbled. Uh, and in his lowly state, he finally understood some things. Verse 26, it says, O give thanks to the Lord of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. I want to go to uh, the New Testament, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. I'll give you a moment to go there, because I'm going to do quite a few verses there. I've got an article at the cogwriter.com website. Uh, called Give Thanks to God. And I'm uh, only going through probably about half the scriptures I have there today. Anyway, in uh, Ephesians 6, starting verse 11, we're told to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Now sometimes it seems like we are, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. And what I'm going to read is available to you as a Christian. Verse 14, Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. God's word is truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and we know all of God's commandments are righteousness, 
And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, if you truly have faith, you'll know that God's way will work, even though it doesn't always seem like that. If you understand that, that shield can protect you from the darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation, as we know that we'll be resurrected for salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, so you should know this book, verse 18, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and all supplication for all the saints. And Paul adds, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now Satan, on the other hand, he encourages sin, tries to amplify our lusts. But it's not Satan per se that's the problem, it's our own lusts. It says in James 1, verse 14, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has, been, has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. But let's go to Colossians 1. Because God will deliver us if we believe. And this is something to be thankful for. Colossians 1, starting verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. In the light means we know things those in darkness don't know. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 10. Starting verse 12. It's kind of a, a, a warning and a promise together here. First with the warning. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. This is one of the issues that uh, Jesus has with uh, those of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. They think they're, they're fine. They don't need to change. They're okay just the way they are and everything is good. Then verse 13. Read... No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with temptation will also make a way of escape you may be able to bear it. Do you have faith to realize that God will always be faithful? So shouldn't you therefore be grateful? 
As far as prayer goes, and um, I'm going to actually quote from our prayer book that we have, uh, Prayer What Does the Bible Teach? Prayer gives us an opportunity to express love toward others, explain our circumstances, and give thanks to God for the many blessings we're given. We have an opportunity in prayer to ask God for help, for guidance, for strength, and support His work. Prayer is the completion of a two-way conversation between God and humans. God speaks to people through His Word, and people speak to Him through prayer. You know, Daniel had his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed. And he gave thanks before God. According to the Bible, that was his custom. Now I want to go to Colossians chapter 4. Start reading with verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, which I'm also in chains, that I also may make it manifest that I ought to speak. And we're supposed to be thankful, and God should be praised. I was in the Psalms before, so let's go back to Psalms, this time Psalm uh, 75, I'm going to read verse, just the first verse there. Psalm 75, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks. For your wondrous works declare that your name is near. If you understand how life actually works, biology works, God's name is near. As I mentioned before, you know, the evolutionists try to pretend that they've got science when they don't. Now I want to go to Psalm 100. Starting verse 1. We read, Make a joyful shout to the Lord all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. And rejoice at the Feast of Tabernacles. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God, is He who made us, and not we ourselves. Okay? God made us, and he's, they're pointing that out. Getting back to the biology stuff I mentioned before. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and in His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. What was true a hundred years ago is still true now. What was true fifteen hundred years ago is still true now. Oh, it's not that we haven't come up with other things. Uh, for example, plastic. Okay, it's true that there's such a thing and people invented it. But as far as the biblical truth and spiritual truths, they haven't changed. We may know a little more about certain prophetic matters as we get closer to the end than they did a thousand years ago. <laughs> That's the case. The truth itself, though, never changed. Psalm 116, verse uh, 17, says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Again, we're to be thankful.
As I mentioned before, one of the reasons thank God is because God is love. You're all familiar with John 3.16. You know, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And contrary to the view, seems like, of some of the Calvinists, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. I've got in this article some items that were written by uh, the late uh, evangelist uh, Debar Pardian. Um, I probably, the two evangelists I knew the best, uh, Rob Meredith was one and Debar Pardian was the other. And I probably knew Debar, I was, well, I was closer to Debar. And he considered that the most common sin was to be, was ingratitude. And he says, uh, what is, does your mind dwell on the things that as a Christian can have, be positive about? Or do you have trouble thinking about things you can be thankful for? And he, he, he cites Philippians 4.8. And this is probably from the old King James. He says, the Apostle Paul said, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And the bar writes, Did you notice there's not a single unhappy thought in these instructions? No complaints, no gripes, no negative attitudes. This truly is a commandment of God. But how many of us in God's church respect it? A lack of gratitude can prevent us from putting this teaching into practice. Have you learned to be grateful? Are your prayers to God filled with praise and thanksgiving? Or do you continually bother him with requests and complaints? Now, go off of what he said. You are allowed to bring your requests and problems to God. But prayer is not just a gimme, 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 gimme thing. And that's what he's trying to say here. At least I think that's what he's trying to say. He says, examine your heart the next time you get on your knees to talk to him in secret. One of the most frequently quoted verses of the Bible, even by those who don't consider God's Word to be inspired, he says, is Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to them who are called according to purpose. Do you actually believe that all things are working together for your good? Sometimes that's hard to believe. You should, you should if you fulfill the clearly stated conditions. You must love God. You must be called according to His purpose. If so, then this promise definitely applies to you. Consider the story of the ten lepers who begged Christ to have mercy on them. What happened when they were healed? Only one of them, and he's citing Luke 17, verses 15 to 16 from the RSV, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, not an Israelite. Strange, isn't it? Look, they considered the Samaritans, you know, down here. We're Israelites, and you people are like, you claim to be Israelites, but you guys are frauds. The one who supposedly was a fraud did what he should have done. 
Whether Gentiles or Israelites, DeBar wrote, where are the other nine? Weren't they also healed? That was the very question that Christ asked. He said, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus knew he was a foreigner. But by the way, notice that he also healed a foreigner. He didn't say, oh, well, you were not the right whatever. And he healed the foreigner at the same time as well. Uh, Barbara Partian wrote that what made King David a man after God's own heart was it perhaps his courage, his willingness to repent of his sins, his earnest desire to seek God's ways. And Donald Lee said those were all contributing factors. But one of David's greatest qualities was his gratitude toward God. Um, amid sorrows and trials and persecutions, he constantly praised God. He always sang psalms of thanksgiving and appreciation. Then he cites Psalm 100, which we were at a moment ago, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all your land, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his praise with singing. Know, that, know ye that the Lord, he is God, it's he that has made us, and not we ourselves, we are his people, etc. And I read that earlier. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, bless his name, for he is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures all generations. Yeah, I thought it was okay to go over that twice. Mr. Debar Party wrote, How uplifting. Do you as a Christian actually feel this way? Do you share those sentiments? Are you grateful to God for everything? Be honest. What are your thoughts most of the time? I'd like to go to uh, Psalm 30. Psalm 30, starting in verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, you saints of His. Hopefully that includes you. And give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for life. Weeping might endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity I say I should never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you've made my mountains stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. Again, you are allowed to ask God for help. Verse 11. You've turned... For me, my mourning into dancing. You put off my sackcloth cloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end, that my, that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks. I will give thanks to you forevermore. Now I'm going to go to the uh, uh, New Testament again. go through various tests and trials and let's go to uh, let's go to second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 
verse 13. Paul mentions that he was bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification and belief in the truth. And the truth is we should praise God. He who called you by our gospel for the attaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or the epistle. That doesn't mean to follow traditions that are unbiblical. Uh, one of the traditions, by the that we tend to follow in the Church of God, more or less, is how church services are set up, because that's pretty consistent with them. Apostle Paul wrote Romans 8. We'll read uh, verse uh, 18 and 19. So, so I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be real, revealed in us. Therefore, we can be thankful. For the earnest expectations of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. The last scripture I want to go to, I read this earlier during this festival, but I want to read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. Do you have the faith to really believe that? If so, you should be grateful. Thankfulness helps us to look to God and to, de to develop godly character, including patience. Thankfulness helps us better realize God's role in our lives. We should love God. We should give thanks to God. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.